Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to season four of Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Forn. I am so, so happy to be joined now via Zoom, which is very fancy and high tech and surely something will go wrong knowing me, uh, by fellow podcaster and best-selling author living and working in the UK, Chloe Brotheridge. Chloe, thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome to Owning It. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you. And thank you so so much for having me on your podcast not so long ago as well, which was just before things went absolutely bananas. Um, so for anyone who's unfamiliar, I just want to get this right at the beginning. Your podcast is called The Calmer You Podcast. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And your book is called The Anxiety Solution. Exactly. Yes. That's the one. I'm actually, I'm in the middle of putting together an article um, that I, where I asked different therapists and counsellors and psychologists to recommend their sort of must read anxiety books who they recommend to clients and your book came up so often so I thought that would be nice for you to know so it'll be included in there as well and they also recommended mine I'm like okay well I uh, I you don't need to do that recommend myself to myself <laughs> but thank you um so at the, while we're recording this um we're doing it a little bit in, in advance we are still very much probably at the beginning of of the pandemic experience um we're all stuck at home we're trying to be safe it's definitely having an impact on people's anxiety um and while i hope that by the time i publish this where we've come out the other side i did want to start by i was kind of interested in, in asking you um what has your experience of this pandemic so far taught you about your anxiety? Because I feel like I'm learning an awful lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have been asking me if I've been feeling anxious about what's been going on. And I have to say, I'm surprised that I actually hasn't. Yeah. Um, I think definitely in the past, it would have been something that would make me anxious. But I think, you know, I still experience anxiety at times, but it's more likely to be day-to-day stuff, to be honest, rather yeah. than... I think I'm one of those people where, and I've heard this from other people with anxiety, if there's a real big thing going on, I can actually cope with that. And it's the littler things that seem to, to be more of a struggle. So on a personal level, I feel quite okay. We'll see how it goes. I, I've heard from, I was talking to someone recently who says, you've kind of got to be a bit careful if you're one of those people who 
holds it all together and then eventually kind of falls apart and I hope that won't happen yeah. but so far I've been all right I think I think it is teaching me about letting go of what I can't control I, I'm definitely someone that likes to be in control and there's a lot about this situation that is outside of our control and and it's it it can be it's a nice feeling I think to be able just to be able to let go of that and it's not always possible but I, I yeah. found that so far I'm just taking it day by day and um, recognizing that I can't control it so I'm just trying to make the best of the situation and, and trying to be there for other people as much as possible as well. And do you think it's possible that you've like myself have done so much work on understanding your anxiety and learning how to manage it and to cope with it that this is in a way a really good test to see how you've been doing because maybe the reason that you're coping is because of all the work that you've done and because you understand it so much better now and because you have those coping skills in place and again I totally agree like once when there's something this massive going on I feel the same like I feel like well what can I do about that so I don't really get anxious about that because it's happening now whereas I get anxious about the smaller day-to-day things as well yeah yeah I definitely hope that all the all the years of therapy and all the meditation is is paying off somehow um I was also on a retreat in the Amazon jungle over the new year and that was very very scary wow. I wonder if having gone through that I'm kind of a bit more chilled about this situation because I've already been in a place where there's giant spiders and oh my god and what was that for was that like anything to do with like coping with anxiety or did you just go off on adventure um it was yeah partly adventure partly my my partner's really into um like studying with shamans in the amazon and so um i had the opportunity to go with him and i was really not up for going and being in the middle of nowhere literally you have to get on a little plane and fly for hours into the jungle there's no roads you can't get out so oh my god you can't get out um lots of bugs and giant ants and spiders and, and that sort of thing um so it was a big test for me to oh my god so if you've survived that you can survive this no you're you're in the lap of luxury for me the experience so far has really taught me about patience because i think we live in a world that's so immediate and we want solutions now we want you know access to everything right away and and in lots of cases we do have that you know stuff is just at the click of a button um but for me I think I feel like I was already on the on the kind of isolation trend because I was so sick with morning sickness um that I felt like I had like 12 weeks of that (laughs) I had and I was forced to learn patience so much and when you're anxious you just want it to be okay now you don't want to be told it's going to take a while and now having come through the the morning sickness kind of I'm still kind of in it but which is terrible at 20 weeks I thought I would definitely be over it um but and then having to face this it's just I feel like this year is like you have to learn to be patient I think patience would be such a good skill for managing anxiety that things things take time especially people always ask me they dm me saying oh can you give me an idea of how long it will take for me to be able to be okay with my anxiety and obviously that's just such a heartbreaking question because it's how long is a piece of string you know um but I think patience would be a skill that I need to work on for sure yeah that's so interesting and and I know that well I hope that we can be able to look at what we can learn from this situation what we can learn about ourselves and and I think we're going to come out of this all of us stronger and more resilient because we we will have been through all these challenges and on the other side knowing that we can survive knowing that we can adapt and change and yeah and learn about ourselves I think it can hopefully bring us out stronger the other side 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so Chloe, I'd love to go back for people who maybe aren't um, familiar. I'm sure they are because your book is just an incredible resource and um, we're probably quite similar in, in our stories. But could you could you take me back to the beginning of your experience with anxiety and, and what led you to the career that you have now? And Yeah, definitely. So, so I think like a lot of people, I started feeling anxious as a teenager. I was at a friend's house seemed like a normal day and suddenly I was like swept away in this like tidal wave of panic where I felt my chest tightening up my heart was racing I thought I was gonna die I was begging my friends to take me to hospital and I think after that experience I'd, I'd had a little a little taste of what it's like to really lose control and it you know nothing had really I'd had quite a sheltered life sheltered upbringing you know nice family life nothing had really gone wrong for me at that point and suddenly this thing had happened and I just didn't feel normal after that and I had you know very frequent panic attacks um for the following kind of years after that and it probably wasn't helped by you know drinking a lot of alcohol to try and feel more confident to try and feel better about myself and all the kind of physical effects that alcohol has that can really trigger anxiety, that definitely didn't help. Um, did you ever get clarity? Did you ever get clarity on what brought that about for you? Like, I know for myself, it seemed like everything was fine on paper, but was there any sort of vulnerability factors at play there? Was it just the age that you were, where you were feeling maybe under a little bit of pressure? Well, how do you make sense of that now? Why, why it hit you then? Yeah, it actually took me a long time to, to get to the root of things. I was probably about 26 or 27 when I really started to, to look into things. And I think before then, I just thought, oh, I'm an anxious person. This isn't, I just didn't understand it at all. I didn't know what was happening, but I really didn't have any understanding of my own feelings. I didn't know what I was feeling. I just would feel confused, but not really know what was going on for me. I didn't know where things had come from. And looking back now, I can see you know, very clearly that my mom was very anxious and quite emotionally volatile. And that I, as the oldest child of three, would take on the role of trying to make things okay wow. and taking on board the responsibility for how my mum was feeling and being on high alert, feeling like I had to walk on eggshells, being very afraid of what her emotional reaction would be, which I can see created you know, a lot of self, low self-esteem and people pleasing and feeling like I needed to be perfect and needed to be on high alert. And that's not to say it was my mum's fault at all I don't blame her at all you know she's absolutely doing her best and she's an amazing mom and a really beautiful person um but we all have our stuff and we can pass that on to our children um inadvertently and I think that's what happened and yeah it's taken me a long time to really understand yeah. that and understand yeah. my own feelings around that so you had what about 10 years of experiencing anxiety without really understanding where it was coming from or why it was happening to you yeah absolutely that must have been so much more terrifying I think I felt such an urge sense of urgency to understand it so that I could cope better because when you're feeling anxiety and you don't know why it's like the anxiety becomes about the anxiety itself so did you feel a lot of fear of the fear um yeah yeah that's an interesting way to describe it isn't it the fear of the fear yeah definitely had a fear of having panic attacks and I mean my, my way of coping I think was I very much shut down about things I was blocked so a lot of people said I was like, um, I had like a brick wall up. I couldn't open up to people. I just kind of carried on um, without really dealing with things below the surface. And I just didn't. 
I, I know it sounds it sounds inconceivable now to me as someone that's so into personal development and looking at myself that I would be like that but I was extremely blocked and didn't feel able to look at things or or get help I think I remember the first therapist that I went to see it just didn't go well the therapy session just didn't gel with her I felt like she didn't understand me at all and I just discounted therapy as not for me oh how can that work what do they know um and it was yeah several years after that that I actually gave it another go and what was the turning point then when you decided this is something I really want to address so I had had a lot of very bad romantic relationships where I just got treated like crap basically and I had gotten into a relationship that I'm still in now. Um, my partner, Aidan, been together for 10 years, but at the beginning of our relationship, it was very challenging mm-hmm. because what can often happen in relationships is that all your stuff comes to the surface and you're fi- you finally have to look at yourself. It's often yeah. said that your partner's like your mirror. Suddenly you kind of have to confront all this stuff that you know I had been suppressing and not dealing with. And I think realizing that I was going to completely mess up this relationship unless I did something um, and having it. So being so confronted with it meant that I, you know, got some help. And, you know, I probably saw I probably seen about 10 different therapists, at least in my life, you know, on and off over the years and, um, you know, made made progress eventually. But it wasn't um, it wasn't a quick, a quick journey. It did take some time and a lot of um you know, challenges and feeling like I was stepping backwards and then moving forwards again. Yeah. And and what kind of therapy eventually convinced you that it was worth um, addressing? Was it was it just talking therapy? Was it CBT? So I, I, I actually think it was a lot of different things. So I think talking therapy is really helpful for me because I had a lot of shame around how I was, what I was experiencing, and that had really stopped me from speaking out about things. And I think finally being witnessed and accepted and sharing all these things that I thought were so terrible about me by my therapist was really healing and just being yeah. able to, to, to open up for the first time. So that was really powerful. Another thing that massively helped me was, um, I was types of therapies that address the body. So I did things like... Um, shaking therapies trauma release exercises it's called tre okay basically it looks super weird but you you do some leg exercises to tire your leg muscles out and then you kind of lie on the floor with your knees bent and your feet on the floor and your body starts to shake and it's this natural shaking that actually animals do in the wild to release trauma from the body and people can yeah yeah if you can google tre if people are interested in that but that, that really helped me. I think I'd been, I'd stored a lot of tension in my body. It was really kind of at the root of things and being able to release in terms of that. And also hypnotherapy. And that's, you know, why I train as a hypnotherapist. I, I, I discovered hypnotherapy recordings and listened to them every day for several weeks and, and found that that made a difference. I found I could relax more and I felt more confident. Okay. And would you say, hypnotherapy would you say is good for people who for whom they know their anxiety is rooted to something in the past and they want to go back and address that then or do you think it's just a quite a relaxing thing to do regardless of whether your anxiety is coming about now or whether it's from the past yeah I I would say um it, it definitely does help with dealing with things from the past and helping us to reframe situations and I often do something with my clients where we 
go back to a situation in the past that maybe is at the root of the anxiety and, and think about what you might say to yourself at that time, what they need to know, what you need to learn from that experience. But it's also really good for just training your unconscious mind to be more present, to be able to let go of things, to be kinder to yourself. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about dealing with the past. It can be okay. about just other tapping into other resources. And if you were skeptical about therapy, were you skeptical about hypnotherapy? Um, I, I don't think I thought about it too much. I think I just was experimenting with recordings at that time. Okay. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. It didn't seem like it's not a big investment to listen to a recording. So I think I was just giving it a try. And actually, I was surprised that it worked. So I suppose I must have been I must have been skeptical if I was surprised. Yes, I was surprised. Yeah. And can I ask you about the symptoms of anxiety, how how it manifested for you? Because for some people it's really very physical where they just they don't necessarily have bad thoughts, but their their chest is tight, their heart is racing, their jaw is tight. And then for some other people, or or maybe it's a combination of both, it's just like thoughts that can go off like a bomb in their head and lead to more thoughts and then that brings on this physical response. And for me, it was kind of a combination of everything. It was very physical, but it was very mental and emotional as well. Um, so I I couldn't not address it because I was physically unwell, like from the get-go when, when it really hit me. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating properly because I just, I, I just, everything just shut down. So what was it like for you? Yeah, so I would say different in different situations. So I had panic attacks where... I thought I was dying and, and I've had experiences where I felt like I've come out of my body and watched myself from the ceiling, like a dissociation type of thing. Um, social anxiety, just getting very nervous when speaking to people, avoiding social situations, shaking so much that, you know, you can't pick up a glass or something when you're meeting someone, it's very embarrassing. Um, I've had periods of uh, health anxiety, kind of focusing on different symptoms, um, obsessively worrying about things, um, generally just feeling nervous, IBS, all sorts of all sorts the of whole things. shebang. The whole shebang, yes, glorious. Oh, God, ways that it can manifest. And how are you these days? So I'm I'm definitely a much calmer person these days, and I have to say I work quite hard at staying calm I, I make meditation a big part of my life I try to design my life so that I'm not putting myself under too much pressure yeah um, but there are definitely times when I might feel anxious or overwhelmed um, or stressed but I haven't had a panic attack in a, a long time thankfully wow. and yeah. a lot of the things around social anxiety don't hold me back anymore so mm -hmm. I might get a bit nervous if I'm speaking in public but it doesn't stop me from doing it it doesn't yeah you understand it it used to ruin like three weeks of my life before kind of public speaking and now I might get nervous a few minutes before but it's not such a big deal so I think it's also important to say that I know when I was sort of on the road out of really crippling anxiety getting towards a point of, of owning it which is the wording I use I would have measured my success with based on, okay, I haven't had a panic attack in three weeks. And I thought that was so much pressure. Like retrospectively, I realized that I was, I was getting afraid of, well, if, it, if I have one, that means I've gone backwards or that means that everything I've learned is gone and I've, I'm back to square one. Do you, do you look at your anxiety now and think, well, I could have a panic attack and that's okay and I could handle it. And you just happen to not have had one because you're not afraid of it. Or do you look over your shoulder wondering, what if it gets me again? Mm that's such an interesting one and actually I hear that a lot from people about 
beating themselves up about taking a step back and actually it's such a common thing that therapists say that progress isn't linear that we do have these ups and downs and we never really take a step back because we're always learning and that understanding of ourselves and how we are will remain with us even if it feels like we take a step back this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I feel, and I don't know, this is not a scientific feeling, but for myself, I feel like something in my nervous system has calmed down almost as if I feel like something happened when I had that first panic attack. I don't think this is very scientific, but something happened and my nervous system has recovered from that almost like a traumatic event that happened. And I don't feel like I would have a panic attack now because I I'm not, I'm not scared of it happening. I'd know how to, to ride that wave. I think if I do feel a lot of, fear in my body like in the amazon jungle there were times when i felt a lot of fear but i know how to to ride that way or maybe it's owning it yeah (laughs) um so yeah i don't feel like i'm gonna have another panic attack but who knows We'll, we'll see but you like i mean i only had one a couple of weeks ago and i i think it was the first time i'd experienced one in such a long time no one else would have noticed I was having one I just it it was just in my I just reached this my stress response was just triggered by the environment that I was in I was um it was one of my first times going out after having been so sick for so long with my morning sickness and we went to a gig and it was also just at the beginning of the coronavirus thing so I think I was becoming a little bit too aware of like I don't know if we should be in this sort of crowded environment um I just felt physically uncomfortable and I started to just feel like, oh, like, I think I also had a lot of Coke, Coca-Cola. <laughs> so um, the caffeine just was kind of just like adding to the stimulation. And I started to just feel like, I don't really want to be here. And if I can't leave, then I feel trapped. And um, someone was having a conversation with me, you know, perfectly lovely person. And I just was like, I need to, I need to leave, I need to leave, I need to leave. And I think 
a couple of years ago, I would have left that situation and been like, oh my God, what does this mean? What is wrong with you? Like, I thought you'd come so far, you know, how come you're getting scared in an environment like that? But it was the first time that I was like, okay, hold on a minute. I know enough now at this stage to know that that was like a bit of a perfect storm of, you know, the same as, okay, not the same, but you could understand in the Amazon jungle. Well, of course I feel afraid right now. I feel threatened. I feel like my my comforts are threatened. I, I, for me, it was, there was too many people around me. Maybe I felt subconsciously like a bit aware of my pregnancy, my bump and trying to protect that. And I just went for the, the compassionate route of just saying, that didn't work for you. You did what you did, could, could to get yourself out of that situation. And you haven't gone backwards. You've just had a, a reaction to a stressful experience, which we'll all, we're always going to have, you know, like we're not, you don't get to a point of owning anxiety or, or feeling like you've, you've solved it. And then never your stress response doesn't just shut down for the rest of your life. It's always going to be challenged. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to wrap their head around when they first start to really suffer because they just want so much to cure it. Yeah, I think that's such an important point that we're always changing all the time and we're going to have ups and downs. And and I think we love as human beings have this idea that we can just tick a box and just not have to think about that thing anymore. But we're always evolving and changing. And so things are going to go, things are going to go up and down. And then like me, you have also kind of made this your whole career as well. And a lot of people ask me if writing about anxiety and talking about it and helping other people with anxiety triggers your own anxiety but for me it doesn't really because it well I all all the while all the time that I'm help if I if I am helping other people I'm, I'm still helping myself because I'm still talking about it and normalizing it for myself so do, would you feel the same yeah yeah I don't um I I obviously yeah see clients one-on-one who are telling me about their anxiety every day and that's tough I mean I would find that hard yeah, I, I actually don't for some reason. I think because I feel as though um, I can help people and we can move forward, it feels quite progressive. I think yeah. maybe if it was a different type of therapy, maybe counselling where there's a lot of talking about things and going over them, maybe that would be harder. But I think with hypnotherapy, it's quite focused on the future and how you want things to be. And, and it's practical and you're proactive. And I think for me, anything that made me feel like I was doing something and not just circling around it all the time made me feel like I already had a bit of power and control over my situation. So what what were you doing before this all became your career? So I worked in the NHS as a oh, nutritionist. Wow. Um, so I used to do cooking classes with children and parents. I lived in Essex um, and I studied nutrition at university and... Um, but got a bit disillusioned with, I think, um, how long it took to change things in the NHS and kind of the, the, the I wanted, wanted more control, basically. I knew I wanted to work for myself, bit of a control freak. So I wanted to work for myself and then, and then discovered hypnotherapy and got into that and realized, um, how often the, the psychological aspect of things was relating to what people were eating. That was kind of the beginning of it. And then I just got more and more interested in, um, stress and trauma and the root of where things come from as I was learning about myself and the book the anxiety solution how did that come about so I was very fortunate in that someone that I met about twice introduced me to a, a book agent who asked me if I wanted to write a book and I was just noticing that I was seeing clients who were telling me the same things every single week that um, they didn't feel good enough 
that they were perfectionists, they were putting pressure on themselves, um, they would compare themselves to other people. And I suppose I wanted to write a book that was addressing a lot of these things that young women experienced, you know, particularly, um, and write it in a way that was really about my experiences and the experiences of my clients and, and something that is very practical. And yeah. there are a lot of tools in the anxiety solution um, that people can, you know, choose what works for them. And that's exactly the right way to say it because the same as my book, you know, you can't just say, look, this is going to work for you. Take what you want from it and leave the rest. Some people will identify with some aspects of it. They might not identify with others, but really it's, it is like whatever works for you. So, and is there is there one overall solution that um, anchors the book or is it more like s- smaller solutions throughout? Yeah, so I was a bit, I was a bit uncomfortable with the the title, the anxiety solution, because it yeah. almost makes it seem like there's this cure. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, I think it is clear in the book that it's not really about that. It's about listening to yourself, listening to your anxiety and what it might be trying to teach you. You know, is it trying to help you to make a change in your life or heal something from the past or learn something about yourself? And then looking at ways to um, put different tools into your life, self-care, working on your self-esteem and your self-worth um, and, you know, a holistic approach of lots of different things, everything from what you're eating to um, how you speak to yourself and how you use social media. Um, so, yeah, it is a bit of a, a buffet of different tools <laughs> that people can choose from what, what works for them. I love that. I love that. And is there anything that you think people generally from speaking with clients every day, do you think people get something, anything wrong with anxiety? Are we, are we being completely disillusioned by anything? Yeah. So what I'm hearing a lot at the moment is about how people are really giving themselves a hard time about how they're feeling. So for example, people beating themselves up about not handling this crisis better or telling themselves they should be stronger. They should be um, not feeling anxious, not feeling down. And I think in terms of you know, how we feel, we just, we feel how we feel. We can't really, um, you know, beating ourselves up about that doesn't help. It makes yeah. it 10 times worse. And so I think just being kind to ourselves about how we're feeling is something that we, we can all be doing. Um, and it just takes a layer of that, that pressure off because um, particularly now, um, you know, we've never experienced anything like this before. And, you know, you just feel what you feel. And, and we're, it's not good or bad. We, we shouldn't make ourselves wrong for that. Yeah, the self-compassion thing is something that I'm in getting increasingly more um, interested in as, I guess, as a solution, as an overall solution to so many of our problems. And I think, especially in this current situation, you know, the world is under threat. All this is going on. We're, we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before. Yet at the same time, we're so hard on ourselves thinking, I should be so productive. I should be doing. I should be doing this. I should be using every minute of my time. And I think it's just highlighting for me how little self compassion we have. Um, and actually, some, something that I only learned recently about self compassion was that we think we we assume that by being critical or hard on ourselves, that it's going to be more motivating, more self motivating, and actually it stimulates cortisol production. So it keeps you on that treadmill of of stress and anxiety and it's I don't know if it's a British thing but it's definitely an Irish thing where it's like oh just get on with it you know I guess people say stiff stiff upper lip is a British thing as well um whereas when you choose a more self-compassionate route you 
and you're kinder to yourself and you say, okay, you know, it's okay that you feel this way or, or what, how can I help rather than you shouldn't be feeling this way. You actually like downregulate that stress response and you bring down that cortisol and you actually bring in more of the nicer hormones. Um, and I was interviewing um, a neuroscientist for the series just a while, for a while ago and he just said the phrase to me, if self-compassion was a pill, we'd each take it every single day. And it just really like really stuck with me because it's not even it's not just like a nice idea of like oh just be kind to each other and be kind to yourself like actually if you look at a brain of someone who's compassionate versus someone who's really hard on themselves we're making ourselves so much worse so if we can just know that tiny little nugget of information I think it it's a game changer totally and I think we can't hear that enough it's almost I don't know for me I think we hear it quite a lot of just be kind to yourself but actually I think we continually need that reminder because it's so easy to slip back into you know negative patterns of giving yourself a hard time just continuing to to affirm to yourself that it's it's okay to to be nice to absolutely yourself. so if you could go back now in time as maybe in a hypnotherapy session with yourself and tell teenage chloe um something that maybe would make her experience a little bit easier what would it be so i think for me it would be just saying you're okay you know you're not you're not uniquely flawed and broken there is not something wrong with you you're okay as you are um you know looking back I can really see it was this sense of shame of being good enough of not feeling that yeah being me was okay and I think if I could just give that message to her which I have done in 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 lots of self-hypnosis sessions then that would be really really helpful yeah and for anyone listening who has resonated with what you said about your experience of social anxiety do you have anything that you sort of t- tell yourself now whenever you're going to be in a situation where maybe you'd be likely to feel anxious in a social environment? Do you have a go-to or a coping mechanism specifically for that? Yeah, I, I was talking to someone about this earlier today. Um, I used to be completely terrified of any kind of networking event or party where I didn't know people. And um, my boyfriend works in sales and he's very confident. And he said to me, Chloe, you just got to go up to people and say, hello, my name is Chloe. So now I make a point of if any situation I have to go into to speak to people, I just say, decide to myself, I'm going to go up to the first person I see and say, hello, my name is Chloe. And that is the beginning of any conversation. And you don't need to worry about what will happen after that because the conversation will flow. They'll introduce themselves to you. You can ask them another question. Um, but for me, knowing that I could do that, um, I think was quite empowering just to be able to get past that block that I had of, oh, what do I do? How do I, you know, start conversations? You know, thankfully these days I'm a lot more confident in those, mm-hmm. those sorts of situations. But yeah, hello, my name is. That's my- Wow, and it's so simple, but it seems so terrifying. Like I'm listening to you say that way, thinking, wow, she is so brave. <laughs> but it's really, I mean, it's something that it seems so obvious and simple but actually getting the courage to do that is it's not easy you know so it takes a while I think to if someone was going to follow that advice you know it's about repetition and practice you know you don't you're not just going to walk up to someone and say hi my name is Chloe well if that's your name (laughs) and suddenly be just so fluent and conversational you know it's going to take it's going to take a while and it's kind of exposure to social situations as well which I think we are probably in a way being starved of now because of what's going on. And if I was to have any worries about, you know, obviously we're all having a lot of anxiety about being cut off socially right now. But I think I'm a bit thinking myself when we go, when we're back out in the world, which hopefully we will be by the time we're listening, I think I'll have to be very mindful of 
feeling anxious around people again because we've been so conditioned to stay away that I think that's going to be the next hurdle um, to overcome. And it's not something I want to, you know, dwell on or worry about now, but that, you know, if you do find yourself in a situation where you're like in a, in a nightclub or a gig situation and you're feeling, oh, like this is so unusual after what we've been through, like again, to choose the compassionate route of, well, you haven't been in this situation for so long. You're, you've been told it's not a good thing to do. And we have to try and gently, you know, undo all that thinking and, and start embracing society again, which it's going to be a challenge for everyone, I mm, think. Definitely. Yeah. I've had, I spoke to a few friends who've been saying that going to the supermarket now, even though they're not even that anxious, um, going to the supermarket now seems like a daunting thing. So yeah, I think we need to try to stay engaged with each other as much as possible, connect with people on video chats and um, try to keep that social engagement going so that it's not such a big shock when we do you know, get to go out into the world again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you look back at maybe the last 10 years of um, your life and from when you were a teenager to, to discovering where it all came from in your 20s to now, you know, it being your profession, what are you most proud of with everything that you've learned yourself? Yeah, so... I think if I if I had looked back, you know, even 10 years or something at what I'm doing now and what I'm able to do, I don't think I would have believed it. So I feel like I've come a long way. And I think starting the podcast was a big thing for me. Even I started it two years ago, but part of it for me was wanting to be more confident at speaking. And I thought, what better way to, to do that than to get so much practice and, and have conversations with interesting people. So um, yeah, I feel proud of, of having done that and, um, you know, putting that out into the world. And I think it is good to look back and, and give ourselves credit for how far we've come. Yeah. And we don't do that enough. And yeah, um, yeah it's definitely something that I, I try to do and reflect on. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote about this in my second book that we're all striving for success and striving to get to these points where, you know, we've overcome something and then we get there and we don't know what to do with the success or whatever, you know, that measure of, of having achieved something and straight away we just belittle it and we're on to the next thing. And what's the point if you can't take stock every now and then and think, you know, where look how far you've come relative to your experience. Like even for me every now and then I have to remind myself that there was a time when my anxiety was so bad that I couldn't have been in a coffee shop at all you know I couldn't have met a friend for coffee and while for someone else it might seem like what that is so not a big deal for me to have been in that position and then now find myself in situations where I'm giving a talk in front of hundreds of people like that if I don't take a moment to be proud of that I'll never appreciate it you know what's what's the point in just always being on to the next thing you know totally and we're all on our own path and, and so to, we shouldn't compare ourselves with what's possible for one person and what's possible for us. You know, compare yourself with yourself and, and the progress that you're making. Yeah. And can I ask you before I let you go, what are you working on now? Is there any, any new books perhaps in the pipeline? Yeah, so I hopefully am writing another book mm. and I'm just trying to decide on the direction that it's going to go. It has changed a couple of times, uh, but we'll see. But yeah, I'm excited to get back into that. Well, Chloe, I'm, I'm so excited to see what you do next. Um, you have just been 
such a source of inspiration um, on social media, particularly for me. And I know for lots of people who follow me, who, who also follow you, have recommended you so many times. And um, I love your approach to anxiety. I think it's we have a very similar um, kind, but um, educational and knowledge first approach to understanding what we're dealing with. Um, and I wish you all the luck in the world. And thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Thank you so much. Great to chat with you. 